and welcome to the Northridge Vineyard Evening Community Podcast. We're a church community in Sydney, Australia who are passionate about pursuing God together and seeing the world changed by His love. We hope this message challenges and inspires you. For more talks and other resources, please visit our website, www.northridge.org.au. Hello everyone, welcome to Christmas in the Gresham Brit household. It's very nice to have the tree up, it feels festive already, and uh, who doesn't love a few fairy lights as well? They look great on the camera when they're just that little bit blurred. Anyway, uh, we are in week seven of a series, and the final week of a series, looking at the life of the Apostle Paul. We have looked at his uh, radical conversion, we've looked at his early years, his lost years, Uh, his struggle to fit in. Um, We've looked at his ministry, some of the highlights uh, and some of the not-so-good moments as well. Uh, He certainly wasn't perfect. Um, uh, But tonight, we're looking at what effectively is the closing speech of Paul's public ministry. Now, in the book of Acts, we kind of get three main movements. We have uh, the first 10-ish chapters talk about what happened before Paul came on the scene, uh, 10 through 20, talk about Paul's public ministry and his, uh, his itinerant journey around the area. Uh, and then the last eight chapters talk about Paul's imprisonment and trial. So this is, tonight's passage is by no means the end of Paul's story, but it's the closing uh, part of his public ministry. And so it's a real threshold moment for Paul that we're talking about tonight. There are lots of things we could say about this speech Uh, But for me, the thing that I believe God wants to communicate to us tonight uh, is it's it's basically Paul giving us a masterclass on finishing well. It's him showing us how to navigate uh, this change of season uh, that comes up so often in our lives. I don't know if you have read in the news recently about uh, what's called the, uh, the Great Resignation. Uh, According to the Boston Globe, in April and June this year, in the US, 8 million Americans voluntarily left their jobs. Uh, A survey by PricewaterhouseCoopers estimates that 65% of Americans are thinking of changing jobs in the coming year. These are absolutely crazy numbers, uh, and there's all sorts of theories about why this is happening. But one thing that I do think is fairly certain is that um, if we haven't already had enough change, in the last two years with the COVID-19 pandemic, that we are actually coming up to another season of change as people uh, have had a chance to reevaluate what life looks like throughout our lockdowns and throughout a pandemic. Uh, people are, are reevaluating uh, and people are making decisions uh, to bring change into their lives. And so uh, if you're not currently in a season of change, uh, in your, your personal journey, it's, it's certain that you will encounter one of these moments uh, that we're going to talk about this evening. Uh, so we're going to dig into this passage and we're going to see uh, what Paul does when he navigates the ending of one season and the beginning of a new one. All right, if you have a Bible handy, then why don't you open up to Acts chapter 20 which we're going to be reading from in just a moment. But while you turn there, let me give you just a little bit of background for the passage that we're about to read. Uh, Last week, we finished off, Rob talked about uh, Paul and Silas's Holy Spirit prison break, which was pretty fantastic. And there are a couple of really fun stories that we're skipping over. 
a few chapters before this, Paul takes on some of the greatest philosophical minds in ancient Greece uh, and does pretty well. Uh, a couple of chapters or, or immediately before the story that we're about to read, someone falls asleep during one of Paul's sermons, falls out a window and dies. So let that be a warning to any of you who are considering sleeping through my sermon. But it's all good because they raise him from the dead and uh, everyone's happy. I can't promise if you fall asleep and die during my sermon that I'll raise you from the dead because this is a video. Uh, but moving swiftly on, uh, immediately, so, so the context for what we're about to read, though, is that Paul uh, feels led by the Spirit to return to Jerusalem, uh, where it all started. Um, and there's this overwhelming sense he has that this is going to be his last uh, journey um, he thinks that he's going to his death. Uh, turns out he's going towards his imprisonment. Uh, but on his way back towards Jerusalem, he stops in a place uh, called Miletus. And that's where we pick up in this story. So I'm just going to magically grab my Bible. Hopefully that little trick looked convincing. You guys will all know I won't until we get there. Uh, and we are going to start reading from... Acts chapter 20, and we are going to pick up in verse 16. And I'm going to read from the NLT translation because uh, I feel like it flows really well in that one. Paul had decided to sail on past Ephesus for he didn't want to spend any more time in the province of Asia. He was hurrying to get to Jerusalem, if possible, in time for the festival of Pentecost. But when we landed at Miletus, he sent a message to the elders of the church at Ephesus, asking them to come and meet him. When they arrived, he declared, and here starts the speech. You know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I have endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews and never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And now I know that none of you whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault, for I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I have, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you night and day and my many tears for you. And now I entrust to you, God, and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who were with me. 
and I've been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had finished speaking, he knelt and prayed with them. They all cried as they embraced and kissed him goodbye. They were sad most of all because he had said that they would never see him again. Then they escorted him down to the ship. Right, I'll just put my Bible down. And let's briefly recap what's just happened. Once again, I hope that worked. If not, oh well. So at the beginning of this passage, Paul calls uh, or sends for the leaders or the elders of the church in Ephesus. Now, it's important to note here, when we say elders, we don't mean old people. We mean like the leadership group of the church. These are the people that Paul had probably worked most closely with in Ephesus uh, when he was there for three years. Uh, We know uh, from other passages that Ephesus was one of Paul's most successful ministry projects. Uh, It went really well. Um, A little later, um, when in Revelation, when Jesus writes to to the church in Ephesus, things are mostly going really well. Uh, And so this is Paul's leadership team, his inner circle of one of his most uh, successful projects. And we get the picture that Paul has skipped going to Ephesus itself because he didn't want to get caught up. He was in a hurry to get to Jerusalem, but he did want to speak to his leadership team before uh, he he went on there and to his eventual imprisonment. As I said before, in some ways, this passage is Paul's closing speech to his public ministry. Now, interestingly, this is the only speech recorded in Acts that we have, uh, which is directed to other Christians. And it's amazing some of the ways that this parallels some of Paul's pastoral letters. Uh, And we get to see Paul here, um, not as this wonderful, uh, bold evangelist, but as a pastor, as a friend. Uh, It's really beautiful. And so Paul shares his closing address to these close uh, friends and confidants, Uh, And it's a bit like uh, a pastor's last sermon to their church, isn't it? Uh, Importantly, he, in the middle of this speech, he drops an absolute bombshell and says that he knows, we don't know exactly how he knows, but we know that Paul knows uh, that he will never see them again. And that turns out to be true. When Paul gets to Jerusalem, he's imprisoned and he spends the rest of his life uh, behind bars. Uh, There's a teary farewell Um, In one version, it says they wept together uh, and then Paul gets on a boat and leaves. Now, before we push on and have a look at what this text tells us, what Paul is telling us here about navigating change, I think it's really important to acknowledge the level of emotion that's happening in this passage here. You know, it's really easy when we read through scripture, we're reading about people we don't know in places we've never been, in a time uh, thousands of years before uh, any of us were born. Um, But we need to realize this is a really big moment for Paul, and it's a really big moment for the early church as well. Paul was reaching the end of his public ministry uh, and headed towards his uh, eventual imprisonment. I wonder whether you've had Uh, one of these significant threshold moments. Maybe you weren't on your way to death or imprisonment, but maybe it's 
you know, maybe it's leaving a job that you've been in for a long time that you love. Uh, or maybe it's making the decision to move overseas. I know many of our community have come from abroad. And you know it's the right move. And so it's not that it's the, the next step is bad, but it's that you know you have to leave something behind uh, and something that is really precious to you. Growing up, I had two dogs, Max and Sam. There are going to be some photos to accompany this section as well. I had two dogs, Max and Sam. We got them when I was five years old and we loved these dogs. They were absolutely beautiful. Uh, When our family moved over to the US when I was eight years old, we took our dogs with us, which if you've ever tried to do that, it's it's a brave choice. Trying to move animals overseas, it basically became my mum's full-time job for six months before we left. Uh, For any of you who have done that, you will know what it's like. Um, But we we did it because we were they were part of the family. It was mum and dad, Chris and Hannah, Max and Sam, and we had so many wonderful memories together, playing in the snow, uh, living overseas. They came back to Australia with us. Um, they were very much a part of the family and a part of my childhood. Uh, Sam, who was the kind of really you know loyal, loving, kind of uh, faithful uh, dog, the one with the white um, mane. She passed away uh, very sadly when I was about 15 years old. She had some uh, really serious health things. But the other dog, Max, she was like the energizer dog. She just kept going and going and going. And she kept going to the point she was 14 years old, which is very old uh, for a dog of her breed. And uh, she developed dementia. And even though physically she was okay for her age, um, the Max we knew and loved uh, had left the building. And there came a time, as there always does, where we had to decide uh, that it was time to put her down. And obviously it was an incredibly hard decision because she was a member of our family. We loved her dearly. But on top of that, uh, it was my sister's last year of school. I'd already finished school a few years before. And so not only were we losing a member of our family, but we realized that this was in some ways the end of an era for our family. This was the threshold moment where we loved. Um, I I had a wonderful childhood. We loved growing up uh, with all of us and with the dogs, but this was also an acknowledgement that that season of our lives and and our family was coming to a close. Uh, And we were stepping into a new and wonderful season as well. Um, But I think this story helps us understand, um, and and maybe you resonate with this, this, that the, the, this helps us understand the kind of emotions that must have been going on in this story, the tears, the feeling of, of what, what, what is being lost, but also what is being gained as Paul is handing over um, his ministry um, to the people he's discipled. It's a huge moment. And I think we all have these moments. If you haven't had a moment uh, like this, then you certainly will. We all have these moments as seasons of life come and go. We realize that things won't be the same anymore. And I think that this is one of those moments for Paul. So what can we learn from Paul in this process? What things does he do that help him navigate this threshold moment in a way that is honoring and loving of the Lord? Well, I want to suggest there's six things. We're going to go through them reasonably quickly. And hopefully um, this is helpful. Uh, This gives you a helpful frame of reference uh, for when you navigate these moments in your own life. 
The first one is that Paul chooses deliberately to celebrate the past. Um, Particularly in verses 18 to 21, Paul tells the story of his time with them. He recounts some of the uh, extreme difficulty that they faced as they preached the gospel, but um, also some of the wins. And Paul highlights here the way the racial reconciliation between Jew and Gentile and how that was a real marker um, of his time and their, their ministry together in Ephesus. You know, when we face these threshold moments, we often have to leave something behind. But even as we, even in the going, the thing that we can always carry with us is the stories. And so thing number one, when you face threshold moments, choose to celebrate the past and remember the stories and remember what God has done. The second thing is that Paul uh, chooses to let go of what no longer is his to hold. We need to choose to let go of uh, what is no longer yours to hold. In verse 32, he says, And now I entrust you, God, and the message of grace. This is a moment where Paul, who he's had this ministry, he's had this responsibility for this group of people, and now he's saying, And now I entrust that to you. Some of the stuff he says in this passage uh, almost sounds a little bit uh, rude or awkward, um, but what Paul is doing is saying, um, I've done everything I can, and now it's your turn. You know, in Christian discipleship, releasing of responsibility is an essential part of the task. Um, Sometimes when we hold roles, so particularly if you're um, facing a situation of leaving employment, uh, this would be a great example. It can feel, uh, it's easy to get attached to the responsibility that we have in those roles. But when when we walk out that door, it's important to release that responsibility to others. So number two, let go of what is no longer yours to hold. The third thing that we learn from here, and this is particularly from that la- those last couple of verses where they weep together. Um, and number three is don't hide from the emotions. You know, these moments of change, uh, the emotional response that we feel is grief. And I feel like for some of you, you need to know that it's okay to feel the feels. When we, we march, uh, when we leave something behind, even uh, for something good, it's okay to feel the feels and you need to, ha- you need to give yourself permission to weep with others if that's what you need to do. But for others of you, you need to know that while it's, it's important uh, to work through our grief, uh, while it's important to uh, experience and, and lean into our grief, we need to work through it, not remain there. And, and sometimes we need help doing that and it's okay to seek help in those moments too. But the third thing, don't hide from the emotion of the situation. They certainly don't in this passage. Number four, trust God with everything. Trust God with what you're leaving behind and trust God with what you are moving forward into. You know, I, think, I, I don't think that in this passage, Paul has completely finished all the ministry that he wanted to do. I don't think his leaders are completely ready for anything that will get thrown, uh, thrown at them. But Paul is choosing to entrust them with this ministry anyway. Um, on the other side, Paul, his level of trust was so high that he was willing to walk even into his own death, if that's what the Lord was calling him to. Because he knows that that's what obedience meant. And he knows that God is trustworthy in every situation. 
But do let me caution you on that, that Paul was absolutely certain that he was walking in the Lord's will. He had done the discernment process. So number four, trust God with everything. Number five is that Paul navigated this transition with the utmost integrity and he was very careful to safeguard the relationships uh, that he had. You know, sometimes uh, when we're in these moments, there's this temptation, isn't there, to kind of just leave everything behind, leave a train wreck behind uh, and kind of stick it to the people um, who we were previously with, Um, particularly if you've left a job that's been really difficult. Uh, This temptation is very real. But Paul doesn't do that. You know, Paul isn't, uh, he, he isn't just in Ephesus anyway and, and sort of, you know, comes across the elders on the side of the road. He makes a very intentional effort to meet with them and to communicate what is happening. And so we see Paul choosing to, to walk uh, and to navigate this transition uh, with integrity, with love, uh, and he does it very carefully. So number five, do the process well. Uh, and finally, number six, uh, when Paul gets to the end uh, of, of this speech, when he's wept with the people he needs to weep with, he gets on the boat and he goes. So number six is step boldly into the future. When you've done the process, when you've navigated it well, uh, when you've wept the tears you need to weep, Uh, You've done the discernment process. When it's time to to go, go. And do it with courage and do it with the confidence the Lord is with you, as Paul does here. So as we draw to a close this evening, I do just want to address one lingering question. Where is the hope in all of this? You know, we in the vineyard, we believe that we live in a now and not yet reality. Sometimes we see God break through in amazing ways. And sometimes all we have is the promise of his presence to be with us in the hard times. And this feels like uh, one of those conversations that's very much all about the not yet. Where's the hope? Where's the redemption in, in these, these moments, in these hard conversations? What I want to draw your attention to is that this passage has an extraordinary number of parallels to the last uh, days of Jesus before his death. I'm not going to go through all of them. Uh, maybe you can think of some of them. But it, this, this conversation that Paul is having with the Ephesian elders reminds me a great deal of Jesus at the Last Supper. It's his last time uh, with his followers before he the next day he is marched to his death. Now, in Paul's story here, we know um, from Scripture that Paul doesn't get to see these followers again. We know that he does write to them, uh, the book of Ephesians, uh, but Paul doesn't get to see them again. The difference between Paul's story and Jesus' story is that Jesus rose from the dead. And even though he had uh, told his followers that that was what was going to happen, no one saw it coming. God broke through in the most unbelievable way by raising his son Jesus from the dead, and they were reunited. Now, in these threshold moments, I, don't, I can't tell you 
what resurrection looks like, what it means. But what I can tell you is that uh, Jesus' resurrection was a foretaste of things to come. We might experience uh, redemption and, and reconciliation uh, in this lifetime um, off the back of some of these difficult threshold moments, and we might not. But we know that uh, in eternity that God's promise is to restore and redeem all things. And so I just want to leave you with the thought that God is making all things new, that he is bringing healing to every painful circumstance that we have, and he has a hope and a future that is beyond our wildest dreams. And so even as we, uh, in closing, even as we navigate these difficult threshold moments, we know that God is working all things together for the good of those who love him. So why don't we pray and then we'll wrap up. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are a God of resurrection. Thank you that in you we have a promise um, that all things will be restored and redeemed and that even in life's most difficult moments, uh, when things don't go, go the way we expected or planned, that you are working. And so, Lord, I thank you uh, that you're always with us in every circumstance. And I just pray even now for anyone who is experiencing uh, change, who is having to leave something behind uh, for something new. I just want to pray uh, that you would come into those situations and that you would be present. Uh, And we just want to say thank you that you are a God of love who is always with us in every situation. Amen.